Well, my brothers and sisters, this morning we have, uh, from both of our readings, from our first reading and from our gospel text, uh, widows. We see these widows. And they have both received uh, some pretty hard uh, lots in life. In the first reading, there's a woman without her husband. Uh, she has uh, got this little boy to raise all by herself. Famine has struck the land, uh, and everybody's starving, including her. And she doesn't even have any bread in the house. Nonetheless, when the prophet Elijah comes to her, she responds with, with great generosity. She's willing to give him water. She's willing to go back in the house and make what bread she can with what little flour she has. And uh, God responds to her generosity and kind and blesses her with a miracle. So also in our gospel text, the, the widow that we see, she hardly has any kind of money whatsoever. But yet the little she has, she gives it all to God. And so even though they, these ladies received, uh, were dealt, you know, to use the poker metaphor, they were dealt bad hands. But they played their hands very, very well. And uh, this is uh, important. It leads us into our, our second reading from the Epistles of the Hebrews, where we hear this kind of well-known phrase that says, It is appointed for men to die once, and then the judgment. It is appointed for men to die once, and then the judgment. And so, in light of all of us, uh, we eventually will die, and we eventually, each one of us, will be judged. It's important to understand that when we're judged by the Lord, we will be judged on the basis, uh, not of the, uh, the hand that we were dealt, but how we played at our hands. We're going to be judged not on the basis of whether we were rich or poor, but how we responded to those circumstances, how we responded to our lot in life, what we received. So no matter what fate we've been given, no matter if we've had bad fortune, uh, no matter what the negative or dire circumstances are in our life, we can make the best of those circumstances. We are always free to respond constructively, to respond as Christians who have faith that uh, no matter what kind of suffering we go through, it's meaningful. It's meaningful because of Christ's passion and his suffering and the freedom that he gave to us. I was inspired recently by a homily from uh, Deacon Dennis Donahue. He talked about um, this uh, psychiatrist, a Viennese psychiatrist by the name of Victor Frankl, who uh, went through the, the death camps, the Nazi death camps in World War II. And uh, he was a, a very successful and um, selfless servant of people who had mental health problems and, and whatnot. And uh, the Nazis came into Austria, and this is around, I think, 1941 or 42, and uh, they shut down his hospital, they deported him, his young, beautiful wife, uh, his, his parents, both his parents, his brother, and all of those family members of his uh, eventually died in the death camps. And he, he went through and he was exposed to very horrendous and harrowing sorts of experiences, uh, experiences that unfortunately for most people brought out the worst in them. 
but for some, it brought out the best. And that's kind of the theme of the book, is that no matter how hard our circumstances are in life, we are still free to respond positively, constructively. We are spiritual beings. We are not uh, automatons or animals that are going to be determined by instinct or biology. Uh, We can be influenced by these factors, but we are not, in the last analysis, determined by them. In the last analysis, we are spiritual beings and we are free. And that is an awesome and liberating truth that we need to embrace as Christians. And he gives the story of uh, uh, him and his the people that he was had to be you know forced uh, laborers with um, would be in one camp and a train would come in and uh, the call went out to deport a certain number of prisoners to the next camp. The prisoners knew that it was the sicker and the weaker ones who were going to be put on these trains to be brought to the next camp, and the next camp just so happened to have the gas chambers and the crematoriums and ovens and whatnot. So they knew what their fate was going to be. And unfortunately, most of the men uh, in this particular camp, in the camps that at least uh, Franco experienced, they would do anything they could to get their name crossed off that list. Even if it meant uh, bribing, lying, uh, violent actions. Uh, and they knew that if they had the name crossed off that list, someone else had to take their place. So they were concerned completely, 100%, with saving their own skin, even if it cost someone else uh, their life. And so unfortunately, these, uh, these people let their negative circumstances determine their choice, their bad choices. Um, now, in contrast to that, the good news is that, you know, this is almost a quote from Frank himself. He says, we who live through the death camps can uh, remember well the men who went from hut to hut, consoling, comforting, encouraging, lifting people's spirits up, even giving the last piece of bread to those who were starving. And so there, were always, there was always a minority who were not determined by their circumstances, who rose above them and who embraced what was what was right and what was what was good. And so for us, we have to ask in life, do we want to be with the majority who let their external circumstances determine uh, negative behavior, bad attitudes, so forth and so on? Or are we going to be in the minority uh, of those who rise above those circumstances and embrace the truth that we are spiritual beings and ultimately are not determined by our material circumstances? Are we going to be in that minority group that rises above the rest and embraces freedom? and does what is right. He also mentions, uh, interestingly enough, he's Jewish, but he mentions with great respect um, St. Uh, Maximilian Kolbe, and I think probably many of us here know who he was. He's a Polish uh, priest who, um, when a man was selected to be executed, actually volunteered his own life in place of this person who was going to be executed. And the guy whose life was saved actually was, he got out of the camp, he went on, he had children, his children still speak about uh, this event, uh, his grandchildren at this point still speak about this event. And uh, so in this case, we have an, an example of, of a human being 
um, who did the opposite of what those first people we spoke about did. Instead of saving their own skin at the expense of someone else's life, they gave up, he gave up his life for uh, this other person to save his life. And even, uh, you know, someone might say, well, you know, when I go before the Lord, you know, I've lived a full life already, and I regret so many things that I've done in the past, and what am I going to have to show, you know, I'm I'm afraid of death, I'm afraid of this judgment that's coming up. And the reality is, as long as breath is in in our lips, in our mouth, in our breast, we can always start life anew. And it is precisely by embracing, actually, our our guiltiness for sins of our past. It's precisely by recognizing that we are responsible for them, that we are set free and liberated. Because embracing our, our guilt, as it were, embracing our responsibility, is also acknowledging our freedom. And it's with that freedom that we begin anew from this moment onwards. So as long as we have breath in our mouth, it doesn't matter what our past was, we can begin new, and we can respond to the grace of conversion and repentance that's offered to us uh, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And like the widows we read about in today's uh, readings, we can take the bad hand, possibly, that's been dealt us, and we can, we can play it well.